My goal this week, Barcelona, is to teach by precept and example. To bring the teaching to the level where when you live here, you will know what to do. Spiritual things are not impossible to learn. God doesn't have chosen specific people that he deals with in a special way to the exclusion of others. Know that what differentiates us who are called in ministry from people who are not called is simply the equipping that God gives us to fulfill our calling. So if I'm called as a pastor, the gifting of pastoring, if I'm an apostle, all that, but God doesn't give us a special gift to live the Christian life. We live the Christian life like every one of you. And that is why you can have a minister of the gospel who is spiritually immature, who doesn't understand the things of the spirit because there's no special gift that God gives anybody. All of us must apply ourselves. For that reason, this week, I really, really feel in my heart to bring it to where we can all understand. You can train yourself and exercise yourself in the things of the Spirit. It's possible, it's doable, no matter how young you are. You may be a child of five years, eight years, nine years, you can learn. You may be a Christian for one day, you can learn. You may, have, you may be an elderly person, you can learn. Some things I'm going to say you've heard before, some you've never heard before. So I ask you to listen with your ears, but most of all, listen with your heart. Don't allow any distractions. If you're sitting next to somebody who talks throughout the service, just move away from there and find a place where somebody is actually listening. Because this week is going to be a life-changing week. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to start the main text here for this week. is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And we're going to read that and we're going to expound on that. I did do this in our morning prayer. And when I was doing it, I just felt so bad that I really needed to do this for the rest of us. First Timothy chapter 4 and the theme for this week is exercising yourself in godliness. So I'm going to touch different topics, different things around that, and you are going to be really equipped. If you can take notes, take good notes. Some of you, you are good listeners, listen well, right? Review these things, go over them. The things you're going to hear today, you may not necessarily be able to grab everything at a go, but whatever tags at your heart, grab hold to that truth and apply it in your life. 
Paul writing to Timothy, and I'm sorry, Kikala, in the middle of the chapter, he says, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. Then he adds, he says, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Paul is saying something very interesting that Timothy, instead of giving attention to profane fables and old wife fables, and I'll explain what all of that is, be intentional in exercising yourself in godliness. Then he puts that statement side by side with physical exercise. He says, when you exercise physically, it's benef- it will benefit, but the benefit thereof is little benefit. But when you exercise spiritually, the benefit is not only for the life that now is, but even for the life that is to come. But that term exercise, I want it to ring in your heart and ring in your mind. That Paul is literally extracting, and I'm going to show you, as I was doing during the week, what he was borrowing from when he's talking about exercising. Let me read other translations, if you would, please. The NIV Bible reads, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. So you can train yourself to be godly. How many of you want to be godly here in the house? Eh? You can train yourself. You know, you can learn. You can, you, you, can, you can be inclined towards godliness. You can love godliness. You can live in a godly way. You can be programmed to be godly. You can be godly in everything you do. Just train yourself. In godliness. In other words, godliness is not just something that happens. It's something you train to. There are things that you do in order to be a godly person. Train yourself to be godly. Then he says, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Which means this, Basalan. Godliness spills over to every area of your life. When you, when you live a godly way, it will affect you physically. It will affect you mentally, it will affect you relationally, it will affect you financially, it will affect you in your purpose, it will affect you in everything in life, and Pasela, the day you die, you go to heaven. So, you know, it's, a, it's an effect here, and in the life to come. Godliness infiltrates everything about you, everything about you, that everything about you has a tint of God on it. God in your finance, God in your business, God in your family, God in your friendships, God in the way you think, God in your planning, God in everything you do. Mara, to get there, you need to exercise. There's things you do to get to that point. Are you there, Wazalana? Am I, am I making sense tonight? He says, he, says, he says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So you gain on both sides of the world. You know, people would, 
would really want you to believe that you're really missing out when you're living for God. Huh? That they are the ones who are really having fun. They, they really want you to believe that you're You know? They really want you to believe that you're poor. But we know the effects of an ungodly life. People can make noise for a while. Mara, an ungodly way of living catches up with them. Yeah, it may not catch up with you when you are 20. Mara, when you get into your 40s and your 50s, the effects of all of that. But when you live a godly life, something about God preserving you. That at the age of 40 and 50, you start picking and getting into levels. Ha when our starter, I go over our starter when I go high. Yeah, they may be rich at 19 because they are corrupt, they are stealing, huh? They are doing all funny things. Maybe when I now you are struggling now because you are trying to do things right. But let me tell you, it's not going to be forever. There comes a day, Molo, when I will and when God starts blessing you, you don't have to stay awake in the middle of the night because it's a blessing and we're tossing the right way. Oh, come on. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Yeah. Maybe Because you don't want to compromise your values. Because some of these people who want you to, to sacrifice your innocence. So that they don't marry you. So it's okay. For now, let's wait another 10 years, another 20 years. Am I talking to somebody? Does godliness pay? Does godliness pay? Yeah. I can speak loud now because I used to be made fun of when I was young. Hey, they made fun of me. I became a Christian at the age of 17. I was very young. I was very young. At the age of 17, I became a Christian. And when I became a Christian, I went into this lock, stock, and barrel. I tell you, it became even more 1979, which I'm going to talk about later on, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was so busy with the work of God. You know, you become so busy with the things of God that you don't have time for my souls. And because I was a teenager like anybody else, you know, it gets to you. When people make you feel awkward, call you names, they bumpy some ruti then. They thought ban soma. They didn't know who the bam prophet. Yes. So it's only in hindsight, mobile now. Listen to me. When you walk this path, your godliness, sometimes you'll be all alone. All alone. They'll call you names, they'll make you feel even your own family. Your own family, your own family, they can make fun of you and, and all of that. My own class teacher used to make fun of us when I was doing grade 11. 
you know. She used to make fun of her because I got set, born again honest in grade 11. She would present because, you know, I don't know what it's called now, but then it was called biology. And the whole syllabus was based on the, on the, on the, on the assumption yeah, yeah, or the concept of evolution. And she would stand there and teach and say, this is what the professors are saying, the educated people, this is what they're saying. So no uringwen. In class. In class, yeah. Because as a Christian, so godly living will cost you. But the cost is, is, is very insignificant in comparison to how your life turns out finally. Huh? Godliness has profit for the life now is and the life to come. Let me read you another translation. Is this helping you? Is this helping you? Is this helping you tonight? The New Living Translation says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tables. You know, there are things you mustn't argue with people. There are people who argue that God is not there. You know, it's fruitless to argue with them. There are certain things you shouldn't waste your time on. He says, do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tables. Instead, instead of putting the energy in arguing, Rather put the energy in training yourself to be godly. Let that be your focus. He says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. The last translation is stay clear of silly stories. That gets dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. That's the message Bible. That's the message Bible. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Yeah. That's the message, Bible. And it says, workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both today and forever. There are people who look good physically, but spiritually they're the weakest people. Banalukwash. They have the empty. Spiritually, they're empty. They're people who look very pretty, very pretty, and very handsome. Mara, they have no character. You love them when you're looking at them. Mara, when they start talking, or I, I love some Their behavior is so. God wants you to be. Beautiful on the outside and beautiful on the inside. Why? Because, because we all get old. One day, you will see wrinkles and, and all kinds. You see, beauty, physical beauty fades. But spiritual beauty doesn't fade. A good character does not fade. And a good character not only affects you, it affects everybody around you. With good character, you influence other people. There are people who are looking at you. Secretly so. They are watching you. You are the inspiration. Now when I grew up, there are people in my community that I looked up to. I never went up to them to tell them. Never did. In our church, there's people, there's people I love. I just was attracted. I was just attracted by the way they carry themselves. And it's positive role modeling. Positive role modeling. You see the way they live, the way they, 
they handle themselves, the way they lead their family, the way they pray, the way they, there's just something about that. And I don't know about if you're like me. I mean, I've, I've heard about people that they talk about, hey, smamang, who's with young, smamang. And if you've never seen smamang, you paint a mental picture. Yeah. And then the day you see them, you will think even outside. But you see, what attracts is not the outside, it's the inside that attracts. Godliness. Godliness is attractive that way. But we're living in a world that is so focused on the outside. And the exterior. Nothing wrong with that. But that, that, that only benefits when you pass on. But what about the man on the inside who lives forever? The man on the inside was never developed, was never adorned, because the man on the inside also has clothing, armor. The man on the inside can exercise power, authority. The man on the inside can sustain your life. Many people, when they pass on, the man on the inside is such an opposite of the house that we put in the ground. Because they spend all their life there. And spending all your life on the outside is the most disillusioning thing you can ever do. Because you can be the most handsome, the prettiest, the healthiest, the fittest, and be empty on the inside. Hmm. You can have everything that life can offer and be the most miserable person, only one. And still be miserable, only one. We get a miserable when only one. Because I'm telling you, the outside things and the other things, that's not what sustains life. What sustains life is godliness. What sustains life is the building up of the inner man. And I'm sorry that in churches, we haven't challenged people about building up the inner man. About people being really spiritual people. Really spiritual. Preaching, teaching, moving in the spirit. Because moving in the spirit is the greatest thing we can ever do. Yeah. We've got to exercise in godliness. Let me read to you, Bazalana, from this Ekin and Leon. It's an important thing. Timothy at this time was going through a difficult time as a leader. Leading the church in Ephesus. We're told that this church in Ephesus was the largest church in the world at that time. Timothy, being a young leader, was really stretched by having to lead this church where you are given a task that's so big for you. So he felt that he's inadequate. Paul had served side by side with him for years. And he prepared him as far as he possibly could. But now Paul had gone. And now all the eyes are on Timothy. <laughs> so this young pastor, all the demands of this large church converged on him. His care for the church was nonstop. And anybody who has ever led a church, you know it. The church is on your mind 24 hours a day. 
You must be available to members. You must, you have church responsibilities. You have all kinds of things. You counsel people. You prepare sermons. You make the church grow. You, 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 you make sure buildings are built. Bills are paid. Leadership is there. Everything. And on top of that, you are a husband. On top of that, you are a father. So, Timothy having this massive church to oversee and to manage. And come on now, he has his personal family which he's responsible for before God. So in order to settle into this job of a senior pastor, Paul writes to him because he's concerned about this young leader. Because his responsibilities were increasing daily. And this massive church was becoming even more massive as it continued to grow. He was now constantly training new leaders. He had to deal with rebellious leaders, rebellious church members. And because of his age, it was difficult for him to even deal with people older than him. So this prominent church was becoming a burden in the midst of it all. Timothy was at least learning not only to lead the church, but in the era he was, he needed to be a visible Christian leader. Because Ephesus was a huge metropolitan city and, and, and this church as a church that was a city church that was affecting a large area, he had to emerge as a community leader. So it's in the midst of these developments that Paul writes to him, refuse profane and old wives' fables and rather exercise yourself in godliness. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what these fables are. But it's, it almost seems like as you read, Timothy was so exhausted that there are people who were lying to him, telling him that leading a church is easy and that he's going to find a trouble-free way to his job. You know, some of us from time to time, we think when we take over a church, it's going to be easy. Timothy was tempted to daydream that his life is not going to be transformed by this big, big responsibility. He thought at least things will get better and ministry will get simpler. He was hoping that he would, at least he would be less hectic. Let me tell you, once you start leading the church, the word hectic doesn't stop. It gets more hectic. Gets more hectic. He thought his life would be easier. Let me tell you, the minute you step up to leading a church, your life becomes more complicated. It's very complicated. When God trusts you enough to give you more and more responsibility, it always demands more and more of you, not less and less of you. So when you're a leader, you have to give up on that idea. And Paul is telling him, Timothy, you are mightily anointed. You are leading a huge church. You're going to be busier now than you were before. The demands are going to increase. Your challenges will grow. Things are going to get tough. They're going to talk about you on social media. They're going to criticize you on radio. They're going to make your front page news. Your life is going to be for everybody to observe. Any small thing that happens in your family, everybody will work on. So stop daydreaming. Stop thinking it's going to get better. And stop being too concerned about what's going to happen to you. Stop fantasizing about things getting easier. Refuse those fables. 
The word refuse means to, it means to reject, to decline, to snub, to move away from something. And Paul says these always fables, whatever they are, they are extremely detrimental to you. They are lying to you. Don't go with those lies. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. And he says, instead, what you must do, Timothy, is adjust your thinking. Take a different approach to the challenges you face. Rather than pray for these challenges to go away, you should embrace them. And in embracing them, train yourself to face them. Tell your neighbor, I'm training myself. I'm training myself. I'm training myself. He says, instead of using your time in engaging in these lies and fables and hoping for something that's not going to happen, use that time to train yourself. Tell your neighbor, use your time to train yourself in godliness. Say it again. In the King James, it says, exercise yourself. That word exercise, I gave it to you during the week, but let me spell it for you. It's the word G-U-M. N-A-D-Z-O. G-U-M-N-A-D-Z-O. G-U-M-N-A-D-Z-O. It's spelled gumnazo for those of you who are courageous. And it's a very funny word and graphic word. And it's, it's hard when you read it because you don't expect Paul to go that way. That word literally means, and I'll read it for you, to exercise while stuck naked. Or to exercise in the nude. Now, this word, anybody in this part of the world, in Ephesus, and among the Greek-speaking nation, understood fully what Paul meant. Rhoda, it's a shock to us because I, I understand. But everybody understood this as Paul was talking about this thing. This is what he's saying to him. Sorry. That word was used to describe professional athletes of that day. You note that the professional artists in these days, they would go into the gym. That word gymnazo, that's where we get the word gymnasium. They would go to the gym to prepare themselves for combat sports. The sports in these days were different. They had boxing, wrestling, and pancration. P-A-K-R-A-T-O-N. Now, when I use boxing, you think about the current boxing we have. Wrestling, you think about the wrestling we have. Not, not with these guys. It was a different one. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. These athletes 
went in and they would exercise in the gym with a coach who'd help them. But they would strip their clothes off because in the boxing and the wrestling that they'd engage in, it was contact sports. And the wrestling and the boxing was of such a nature that you could hold on to your opponent's clothing, pull them down with it, strangle them with it. And for that reason, the way to avoid being wrestled down is to rather... <laughs> now I know you are laughing, but I'll give you the revelation there. And the funny thing about these combat sports was that the goal Yatsona was to not just fight, but to kill the opponent. Yeah. And when you won, then you would go to another level where the pancreon was the cream of the crop. These are the guys who had won in the other matches. Now you come to the final. Now here it is. So when you went in, your trainer would train you. But they would train you so fiercely, so hard, so strongly. They would push you to the edge. And when they saw that you are up to the task, they would then anoint you with oil. Because it is the oil that when you went into the real combat, made you slippery. That even when you don't have your clothes on, your opponent cannot hold you. Mamela, if you want the oil of the Holy Spirit, you've got to strip off certain sinful behaviors. Ah, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You're not. There are things you've got to get rid of in your life and throw them away in your life. So that when the devil tries to wrestle you down, he cannot wrestle you down. And if you allow God to train you, if you allow God to work on you, God is not only going to allow you to go into battle, he's going to anoint you with oil so that when the enemy comes your way, you are anointed with oil. Can I hear a good amen in the house? So the path of difficult training is the route to victory and to the anointing. Don't let anybody lie to you that Christianity is easy. It's a hard life. It's a difficult life. Yeah. It's a life that instructs us to get rid of things that from a human level, we don't want to get rid of them. But if we don't get rid of those things, the enemy, when it comes our way, he will hold on to those things and he will wrestle us down. And God says, as a coach, I've given you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to push you to the edge. He's going to give you heart training. Because he, he knows if you're not trained in a hard way, you're going to die. 
and if you can allow the trainer to push you to the limit and allow the trainer to push you to the edge then the trainer will pour the anointing upon you and when the enemy tries to come your way not only will you be strong you will be slippery he has nothing to hold on to in your life Train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in godliness. In John 14, 26, and I'm reading the New King James Version. Jesus says, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things <laughs> and bring all things to your remembrance whatever I have said to you. Let me tell you what that word comforter means. I know the Amplified have seven words. But let me show you what it means. The word comforter means one called alongside to edge, beseech, coach, plead, beg, pray, or train. Let me say that again. One called alongside to edge, beseech, coach, plead, beg, pray or train. Now, I won't go to the beseeching and the edging. I want to look at the coaching and the training. So the Holy Spirit is your trainer. The Holy Spirit is your coach. He's your coach who coaches you in godly living. And the coaching and the training is not a nice one. It's a difficult one. That word comforter pictures one who has come closely alongside another, another person for the sake of speaking to him. So the Holy Spirit is your coach who's with you 24-7. <laughs> so wherever you go, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is there to coach you. Oh yeah. Let me digress a bit and I'll come back to the notes. I was saying to somebody, the problem is that the Holy Spirit does not speak in loud ways. That's the problem. The Holy Spirit speaks in a still small voice. Listen to this. So, if you ignore him, 
and you move into disobedience. What disobedience does, it makes you to be hardened. It's almost like when you, when you get used to listening to very loud music. The problem of listening to very loud music is that there's a day when they play music low, you're not going to hear it. It's not that the music is not on. No. You hear it when it's loud. So, you get out of range and out of reach because the decibel that you are used to is the loud one. So, when you become disobedient to the Holy Spirit and you become stubborn in your ways, what you are doing is this. You, your, 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 your spiritual ears become hardened. So you can only hear when he screams and shouts. So in other words, you only hear God speak when you have a crisis. You only listen when you've bumped your head against the wall. But the reality is that the music was playing all the time. Mara, your level of hearing, you only respond to a certain level of noise. So when you train yourself in godliness, you learn to maintain a tender conscience. That is your decibel level. How many people still continue doing something when the Nambeza is saying no? How many people? And, and so what happens? You do that. Here's a problem here, Nambeza. You ignore it first time. See, have you seen children? Do you have seen children? Children are terrible liars. Hi, my God. Come here, come here, come help me preach. Come, my wife. Come and help me preach. She said, Amen. Yes, my girl. Come, 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 come. Come, baby. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to Thank you, my girl. At least. At least when I would say amen, when I would say amen, you see these little ones? Why? She's at the stage of innocence. Eight. Eight years old. Yeah. So it's this perfect age. And, and I'm so glad you must still here again. So glad. That for you, my baby. She's eight years old. She's innocent. Innocent. I mean, everything that's going to happen to her is what she's going to learn. Children are like a, a book that's plain, that gets written on. So whatever she's taught, she gets accustomed to it. So children can't lie much because they're innocent. Even when they lie, you see it in their face. But why, why can't they lie? Because their conscience is tender. Like this little one, she can't drink the hot boiling tea. 
Her palate is still very tender. You can't bathe her in hot boiling water. Her body is still very tender. She can't eat extra hot Nando's. She can't. She can't. Why is there extra hot Nando's, baby? Extra hot, right? Why is there extra hot? So what happens, Barcelona? With continued pushing the boundaries. So it's like, how not there? You don't start with boiling tea. But you quickly increase the temperature. Until you can drink boiling tea without feeling anything. Someone else can't drink it. It's not that it's not hot. It's just that your comfort level has shifted. Thank you, my baby. Okay, cameraman, walk. Facebook. She helped me preach, my little one. When you are a young Christian, sometimes your, your, consci- your conscience is high up there. Because you are a baby Christian. Baby Christian. You, 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 your nembeza is tender. But as you learn the bad habits of us alone. Yeah? Fighting, gossiping, zing zonging. What happens? What happens? Your spiritual palate becomes seared. That you can lie and still come to church. You can wake up, coma pain, and come to church and raise your hands and really act like you're anointed. Ah, come on. I'm talking about training yourself. See, see the challenge with the way the Holy Spirit speaks. He doesn't shout. He whispers. But the ability, the ability to hear the whisper is to never violate your tender conscience. Is to keep your conscience tender. Now, here's the interesting thing. If your conscience is a chile, God has a way of recalibrating it. Praise God. Because the blood of Christ, the book of Hebrews says, it is able to purge our conscience from dead works. And the word of God becomes the softener. Because Jeremiah and Ezekiel talks about the word of God as a hammer. The word of God as water. You know, you come and sprinkle water on hardened ground to make it soft. So when the word of God comes, it, it, it softens your conscience. It just gives you a new level of tolerance. That when you follow your, your coach, the Holy Spirit, after a while, there are things that you used to do that you are comfortable with. You are no longer comfortable with them anymore because your trainer 
Your trainer has been showing you. Don't do this. Don't do that. Are you there, Bazalon? Oh my goodness. I've got a few more minutes before we go into prayer. That word comforter describes a helper or an assistant. Watch this. Who was always ready on standby to help. To assist and to strengthen. Always on standby. The Holy Spirit is always with you. So you don't wait to come to church to do right. I know in my former church, you know, I used to laugh, you know. On the morning, yeah, they were very holy. If one of them was among you, hey, I just get alone now. We're going to have communion today. We mustn't fight. So before, on the day of communion, they were the holiest people. You know, you know, you know this, this, hol- this holiness that's a put on holiness. Let's have another. It's a holiness that's a put on. Have you ever seen somebody trying to act holy? They look funny. Speaking in a low voice. Even when they walk, they walk like But the problem was, our communion, like in many other places, was the real thing, the, 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 the wine. So this holiness would only last the duration of the service. My sisters and I, we used to laugh so much because there was, there was one of these elderly men. You know those, you know those years that when men have this, this uh, mustache and they would uh, do the mustache like <laughs> and, and you would see on the day of the communion, because you see this real one, it's got a real smell. You can smell it. I mean, the whole church, you'd smell this thing. And you could see that they are salivating. That, 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 I mean, really. I mean, they are holy, mother, they are salivating. And then we would sing that song in the church. And you'd see this man with his beard singing. And we used to laugh as children, you know. And so we would, we would have communion in the early part of the service. And the services continue. Mara, the communion would start working. <laughs> so towards the end of the service, the holiness is gone. And then we used to hear them in the consensory, they call it in a room where they go to afterwards. They would be fighting. We're not talking about the holiness of a put on. The Holy Spirit is with you all the time. At the shop, at work, at home. He's your coach. He's standing next to you. He's showing you as a trainer. This is how you must behave. This is what you must do. If you listen to him, the devil will not have anything to hold on to your life.
and you'll be ready for any task. Give the Lord a big hand for that. Watch this. As it describes a trainer, that word comforter, or a coach, just like a coach who teaches you to play soccer, tennis, volleyball, they show you how, how, how to hit the ball. Watch. The coach shows you how to hit the ball, but he doesn't hit the ball for you. The Holy Spirit will show you how. But he's not there to push you and make you. You must listen and do what he shows you. Because if you don't do what he shows you, you can't train to hit the forehand or the backhand or the lob. You can't. So, and when you hit, he says, no, don't turn this way. Fix your feet like this. Go like this with your body. And he shows you, he says, okay, do it. You do it. As you, as you, as you do it, in sports, we talk about muscle memory. You learn what to do. Your body gets acclimatized. But it takes long to get used to that action. You can train for a whole hour. In fact, you train all your life. You still see them when they play. They still go through a, a routine. You see tennis players, golfers. You see them swinging, swinging. Even if you've done it for years, you must still train. Ah, you're not hearing me. Because it is in constant training that the discipline becomes part and parcel of your DNA. Whether you are one year old in the Lord or a hundred years old in the Lord, you keep on training. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do it for you. He shows you how to do it. Let me close. By the grace of God, Bazalana, today I'm celebrating forty-three years of being filled with the Holy Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The 4th of July, 1979, it was a Wednesday. I was doing grade 12 when my friends prayed for me during the prayer hour we had at lunchtime. Or we used lunchtime. We didn't pray for the whole hour, but like 45 minutes because we had to be back at school, even if the lunch was for an hour. But let me tell you the story to help you see how God and your coach has been trying to talk to you. I want to bring it to a level you can use it. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. When, when, when he wants to bring certain levels in your life, in my case, 1978, after I got born again, my friend Zueli started telling me about these meetings that they were going to where they were prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was not clear to me that he is talking about a different youth club. 
and, and the camps of a different youth club, not the one I was at at the time. But in my mind, I heard him talk about camp. I didn't even know what camp was. I knew a little bit because I was from Dutch Reform. But he said at camp, that's where they get prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And he started talking about what they were doing. You must remember, guys, I, I'm from a, I was from a mainland church. I'd never heard any of, any of that. I, you know, the Holy Spirit was the Holy Spirit there. Not here. I knew all the doctrine. I understood the Bible and thank God for that foundation. But it was, it was, it was, you know, like many people, Christianity is a form. It's not a lifestyle. We read about prayer. We read about anointing. We read about all of that. But it never becomes part of our life. Many Christians, they, are not, they don't walk in the anointing. They don't know how to. They talk about God speaking. They don't know how God speaks. They talk about the voice of God. They don't know how it, it, it happens. But this week is going to change all that in Jesus' name. Why? We are exercising ourselves. So, here's point number one. One of the things, not the first, one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do in your life to take you to another level is to create hunger and desire. As you see other people who are walking in that truth, who are living out that reality, you start becoming hungry, you start becoming thirsty. These casual conversations that I had with my friend, it was not a church service, we were just talking as students at school. He would explain to me, he would talk to me. Not 19, in fact, we were in the same class. This is great, when I was grade 11, when I got born again. And he would come sit next to me and he'd tell me about these services and, and I could see he was different. I, I could see that I'm born again, he's born again. Marankara, he's born again, yeah, he's a higher grade born again than my born again. <laughs> Not that I was living in sin, but there was a certain power he had. There was a certain anointing. See, the Holy Spirit starts showing you people who are walking in something different to what you had, which is powerful and godly. Why? To create hunger. To create desire. It's not a mistake that you're desiring to preach like I'm preaching. It's not a mistake. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. It's not a mistake that you want to pray like I'm praying. Paul says, follow me as I follow the Lord. There's nothing wrong in learning and copying. In the same way people are inspired by Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, and they buy t-shirts and wear t-shirts written, Lionel Messi, Ronaldo. We do the same thing in the church of Jesus Christ. And there's no shame. There's no shame in you wanting to be like Bishop Musa Sono. There's no shame at all. Or even preaching like I'm preaching or taking the same sermons. There's no shame at all. What is God doing? He's creating a desire. Like I told you when I grew up, there's the elderly men. I wanted to be like them. Because I saw this. So that's the first thing. Watch those desires. When you start wishing to pray longer, read the Bible longer, be a stable person, be a truthful person. And there's this hunger. The Holy Spirit, the coach, is standing next to you. He's trying to train you in a specific area. There's no angel that appears. There's no thunder that rolls. 
There's no rain. There's no earthquake. It is just a still small voice coming in the form of a desire. You are desiring to be a stable person, to be an organized person. You are desiring to attend church regularly. You are desiring, you know, you are desiring. You, you, but you are desiring towards godliness. Oh, I started desiring. Oh my goodness. So strong was the desire. And this guy kept talking about it. I think it started the second part of the day. He talked about it the whole six months or five months. That I... I, 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 I registered to go to camp that December. And we went to camp at the club we were at. Unfortunately, they were not the ones he was talking about. I thought it was the ones. I remember the first night I was at camp. First night at camp, I couldn't sleep. Because, you know, we had had the service. Everything was fine. And I'm lying awake there saying, God, when are they going to pray for us? To be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was so hungry. I was so thirsty. Oh God. Second day, third day, dololo. <laughs> one day I'm lying there, 12 midnight, one in the morning. I can't sleep. See, this is what God does He creates a holy discomfort. <laughs> You can't sleep, you are awake. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the coach. He's trying to take you to another level. He creates, as I call it, it's a holy discomfort. Because God is not committed to our comfort. God is committed to our transformation. And God will, will gnaw at you. God will make you uncomfortable. God will make you to feel like you are not comfortable. Just like Mama Eagle. God says to the children of Israel, I deal with you like Mama Eagle deals with her chicks. What does she do? Once the babies, the baby eagles grow up, they grow up in the comfort of a beautiful nest that's cushioned with grass and leaves. And they always get on mama's back because they're kids. But one day mama wakes up and thinks, no, Bahudil. <laughs> they must learn how to fly. So what does she do? She creates discomfort by tearing up the nest. She removes all the cushioning such that all that's left out there is the frame that's made out of thorns. And the children are uncomfortable. Ah, don't mind when God is making you uncomfortable. You're not comfortable. Yeah, you, you, you want to spend it, Mara. Something come quickly say it. I can see we could go tonight. And as the children are uncomfortable on, or in, the, in the nest, they finally say, all right, we'll jump on mama's back because it's more comfortable. And that's exactly what mama wants. And the minute they all get on her back, she flies out, goes to the highest cliff, jumps off and shakes them off. And you see these children trying to hold on. Mama! We know you're in a bad mood, but you're trying to kill us. Mama! You know, they say the eagle is such an incre incredible navigator that mama eagle will wait for those kids before they hit the ground. She'll go down and collect all of them on her back. And I can almost hear Jimmy Arif. 
Yamazuma, Nagas Bulal, Kemushebi Lekamo. And then Mama goes up and second time around. Third time around. And then in their struggle to try and hold on to air, they start flying. And they go, we don't need mama anymore. We can do this ourselves. But the training came out of the discomfort. What is it that the Holy Spirit is making you uncomfortable about? Your trainer. Who's standing side by side. He's showing you how to hit the ball. He's not going to do it for you. Your guide. Like the GPS. Like the tour guide. The tour guide. If you follow their direction, you will enjoy the trip. Because if you go there by yourself, you'll spend a lot of time looking at things that are not of any value. So your experience of the tour is enhanced by who was directing you. And this is what it is in our Christian life. As we go on the tour of the world, our experience years later of the world will be determined by our ability to follow the Holy Spirit, our tour guide. If you follow the tour guide, you'll be safe. If you follow the tour guide, you'll tell them, La Mosque Laya, it's a dangerous area, it's no go zone. If you follow the tour guide, they'll tell you, you can buy from this shop, things are cheaper here, they're not gonna rip you off. If you follow the tour guide, he will tell you, this thing is, has been here for so many years, take a picture of it because it's a valuable thing. If you go on your own, you'll spend money in expensive shops. Spend time on things that eat up your time, but they are of no value at all. Because you never followed the tour guide. Oh yeah. And the Holy Spirit is our tour guide. So, here I am. I started talking to God. I said, God, they're not praying for us. And God said, go outside. And go and pray and I'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. I didn't have the courage to do it. I didn't go. As a result, the following year in July, in, in 1979, from January to July of that year, I was the most depressed young man you ever saw. Because I was seeking. I was longing. I just didn't know what button to press. You're standing next to a door that needs a code. You keep pressing the wrong code. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. March of that year, I just sensed I must ask my pastor in my church to use the church building for prayer. So I went to my pastor. He said, you can use the church building. And I went to the church building at our church. Every day from school, I would head straight to that church. That leads me to the second point. Not only does he create a desire, when you act on that desire, 
He starts preparing your capacity for the next level. I would pray. I mean, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'd pray for an hour. And here it is, Basala. By myself. You see, this road, Eritamaya, you, you must walk it alone. You must be so committed to following the Holy Spirit that when others don't follow, you still go in spite of them. Because you can never ever train fully. Because even when you train, even if your friends go with you, you must pick up the weights. Yeah. So that's the second thing. I started praying. My capacity to pray long and be disciplined to be by myself. I was 18 years old. 18 years old. Who's 18 years old here? Any 18 year old? No, no, I'm not looking here. I'm looking that side. <laughs> Do you have an 18 year old child? 18 years old? Will you stand? Just come. Come stand with me. I see there's a... Yeah, several of you. Come, come. Even at the back. Come. Come, come stand with me. Come, my These 18-year-olds are not playing. Come stand with me. I want them to see you. I... Come, my girls. Come. Where's the boys, too? Come, guys. Come stand with me. Shaba yaba. Oh, we have so many 18-year-olds. Come stand. Make me famous, eh? <laughs> Make me famous, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I get a so? I love it. I love it. This must also be on social media tomorrow. All right. 18 years old, by myself, coming back from school, going to pray. When you start following the Spirit, God will guide you. So I started praying March, April, May. Around May, I, I got an idea to say, you know, I, I'm not getting filled with the Spirit. I will not pray for an hour. And I, one day I did get filled with the Spirit, but because I didn't know what it was, I, I, I ran. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got this idea in my mind. Why don't you read the Scriptures? Because that, that's where it comes from. It comes from the Bible. So I read Acts chapter 2, where they got fruit of the Spirit. Acts chapter 8. I read Acts chapter 9, chapter 14. But it was Acts chapter 8, not 9, that really got me. Because in Acts chapter 8, the people who got filled with the Holy Spirit, hands were laid on them. This leads me to my third point. Then I said in my heart, now that I can't get filled with the Holy Spirit, kill one. I don't know how to yield. If they can lay hands on me, I will be filled with the Spirit. Mama that's my third point. God will meet you at your level of faith. 
You understand me? What God waits for is just initiative. If you take the step, God will meet you at your level. I prayed that prayer. I started understanding that. In June, July, I said, God, if they can lay hands on me. So here we are, 4th of July, it was a Wednesday, 1979. We were praying. We used to have prayer during lunchtime. If they finished praying, Zueli again <laughs> says to the other team, why don't we pray for this guy? Hey, look at all of you. <laughs> Man, let's pray for this guy. So, they prayed for me. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, so I, I, want you, I want you guys to know, what, whatever your level, God will meet you at that level. Yeah. God will meet you. Why? Because God looks at the desires of our hearts. How many of you love our young people? I'm going to shake their hands. Let me shake your hands. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Neh. Thanks for helping me preach. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you, my God. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thanks for helping me preach, guys. I hope next time it will be you preaching and me listening, right? All right. Let's my young guys. Hey, look at the guys. Hey, bless you guys. My man, how's you? Bless you. Bless you, my girl. Hey. Give our young people our 18 year olds a hand. Yay! Jesus. So I got filled with the Holy Spirit that day. And let me close. In the afternoon, when I came from school, I went to tell my friend, Spiwe Zuma. Because we used to meet and talk. And I've never understood born again people these days. When they meet, they don't talk about God. I, I've never understood y'all. I've never understood. My mother was all right. Stay in the company of people who will help fit. I'm talking about training in godliness. See, the conversation I had, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. If you are with people who are always talking about sex and drugs, sex and drugs, you, you, start, you start growing an appetite for that. But by the same token, if you're in the company of people who talk about the anointing, the power of God, the world, you start growing and so it depends. That's why the Bible says, evil company corrupts good morals. Don't be too close to people who are evil. Who are wayward. Stay away. So, that afternoon when my friend Spiwe came, he would visit me at my house and then Nekimo Kappa and so I'm walking and then I start telling him about the experience I had that day. I start telling him. And it just so happens as I'm telling him, we are walking past that church I've prayed for, I prayed at. And it's at, at the exact spot, Spirit says to me, is there any reason why God can't fill me with the Holy Spirit like you? Now remember, I'm not a pastor. 
I've never been trained in this. But he challenges me. And I said, I don't see why God can't fill you with the Holy Spirit. So I thought I'm just dismissing it. Then he went further and said, can you pray for me? And to my utter amazement, I said yes. That leads me to the fourth point. God pushes you to a new level of capacity. I started praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit before I was a pastor. Because like I said when I started, we don't have any special gift to live the Christian life. You can do the same. So, I went to my pastor. I said, this time around, we don't need the church. We'll just use the outside of the building. It was around 6 o'clock. You know, sun was setting. You know, July, you know, it was. So he stood outside the church building. I never forget, he's taller than me. We held hands like this. And we started praying. Now, I don't remember what I said, but I remember what he said. And I just remember him saying, Father, this is the time. That leads me to my fifth point. When you are hungry, God will meet you at the level of your hunger. Some people don't get anything from God because they're not hungry. They're not thirsty. God will meet you at the level of your thirst and your hunger. Spiva said, Father, this is the time. That's all I remember. That's all I remember. From the heavenlies, there came a force and a power that I, I was not expecting and I didn't know. Nobody warned me. Well, I did fall down that day when they prayed for me. I wasn't expecting to fall down. I didn't see people falling down. And remember, there were no ushers. So we couldn't fake it. I was holding on to Spira like this. The power of God hit us. I was holding on to him. I fell this way. He fell this way. So hard that when he got up, there were some small stones that were stuck to his forehead. But we never got hurt. When we, when we fell down, he started praying in tongues. I start praying in tongues very loudly. I wonder what people were thinking. These two boys. <laughs> I wonder what my pastor was thinking. We were praying so loud. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I think we prayed for 30 minutes or so. Outside. Outside. Finally, I went to the pastor and I could see his eyes were saying, so what happened? I didn't tell him. I just said, thank you for allowing us to use the place. As we were walking, Spiro kept saying to me, he was trying to speak, he couldn't speak. That leads me to point number six. When you are hungry and thirsty, there are times when God will fill you to an extent that you stay in the spirit for longer. 
Some of you have never been in a place where you are so full of the Holy Spirit that you can't speak in your regular language. When you are so overflowing with the anointing and with the Spirit. And point number seven. Spiwe went and told our other friend who's passed on, Jerry Chell. So the following day, Spiwe comes with Jerry Chell. And Jerry Chell says, Spiwe told me what happened yesterday. Can you pray for me? <laughs> Remember, I'm not a pastor. I'm not running a church. I'm 18 years old. I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> this time we went to the church, Yamruti Zuma, and we held hands together. It was a church, Eluri, but Sasa Polish read Mofats. My late friend Jerry Dechella used to work and he loved wearing white pants. So we held hands, the three of us. And as I started praying, same thing happened. That happened day before. Knocked the three of us off. Jerry Chala was so happy to be filled with the Holy Spirit that when he was praying, he was jerking like this. That leads me to point number seven. That started a revival among young people. That in a space of six months and 12 months, we had 15 young people not only were they all filled with the Holy Spirit, I prayed for every one of them. They were all filled with the Spirit. And we were going around preaching, casting out devils. We saw signs and wonders. And all of us came from mainline churches. Here's my seventh point. What started as a small stream became a great river. Marahopul. It started with a still small voice. Many people think on days when God is going to do something phenomenal, they will know ahead. I've listened to ministers who've been used by God in signs and wonders in their own lives, in all kinds of things and all of them are agreed on one thing. The days they had, the greatest outpouring of the Spirit, the greatest encounter with God, whether when they were ministering, when they were praying, when they were doing whatever, there was no sign it was going to happen. In fact, sometimes when they started, they were very lethargic and lazy. Mara, they responded to a small whisper. Nothing that says something major is coming. 
It's in the ability to listen to the whisper. So it is the whisper that's the doorway to the greater things. It is the small stream that's going to turn into a great river. If you stay faithful to the cause and you follow the leader and you follow the guide. When he leads you, he doesn't tell you what's on the other side. When he whispers, he doesn't shout at you because there's something big on the other side. He can only whisper. It's your ability to follow. I was listening to one minister, Abu and I was sharing with somebody. He said he was, he was going to do a service. And he just kept on having this thing out. He must pray. Just nothing major. So he's supposed to do service. So he stands up and says, you know what? I don't know, guys. I just feel we should pray. He says, as I started praying, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He stands yielding. Somebody say yielding. yielding. Say it again. Yielding. He starts yielding to the whisper, to the prompting. The prompting is so faint that if you become stubborn, it doesn't make noise. The whisper is so faint that if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. Mara, he paid attention. He listened. He said, I said a prayer. He said, he said as I started, as I started, all of a sudden, there was an anointing that came on me and I prayed so powerfully, so strongly for 45 minutes. And after 45 minutes, I felt that whatever we had prayed for, I knew somebody's life was in danger, but whatever we had prayed for had been averted as I started singing in tongues, praising God, and the burden had lifted. He said, stay with it until the burden goes. The following day, they get a phone call from one of the young ladies in the neighborhood whose dad was working in a, in a petroleum station. They are dealing with dangerous chemicals. There had been an explosion in the plant and it had burned so bad. And by the looks of it, it seemed like there were no survivors. So he says, when this young lady phoned our church to ask us for prayer, the minute I heard, the Holy Spirit said, that's what we are praying for. And he said, I immediately said, tell that girl, because her dad worked at the plant. Tell that girl her dad is okay. 24 hours later, the fire was put out. They got into the plant and everybody survived. What started as a whisper. Here's the question. What if He didn't listen. What if? I don't worry, the lights will come back on. We are, we are set here. I push the lights off. I told you. It's not a prophecy. We have a generator there. <laughs> What's point number one? 
Hello? Hunger and thirst. Point number two. Hello? Changing your capacity. Point number three. Hello? God will lead me to at the level of I'm tra- we're training more. We're training one. Number four. God will extend and expand your capacity. Point number five. God will lead you, meet you at the level of your hunger when you're hungry. Number, but number six. Huh? When you're hungry. And thirsty, you will what? Oh, yeah, uh, you will stay longer. Yeah, when you are hungry and thirsty, you will stay longer. And number seven, what starts as a stream can end up being what? As I close, Bazarana, I'm almost sure that there's been a time God whispered to you. Mara, you didn't listen. You didn't listen. And here's point number eight. If you can't listen to the small and mundane everyday things the Holy Spirit says, he will not be able to lead you to greater things. Because a trainer is not going to make you lift weights of 100 kilograms when you can't lift 10 kilograms. That's why so many of God's children become stunted in their spiritual growth. Because with the Holy Spirit, our trainer, he never gives you more weights if you are still stuck with 10 kgs. That's why some people are stagnant. And not growing. Because when he tries to train them in one area, they don't respond. In God's kingdom, there's no pass one, pass all. In God's kingdom, Mudima Aho jumps the stage. If you don't fulfill one stage, he's not moving you to another one. Tonight, Bazalana, I'm going to pray for you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Our time is gone. Tomorrow we will get into more details and more prayer. But I wanted to give you this foundation to chew on in training in godliness. Now, let me say it again. I'm sure you are aware now how much he has been talking to you. Some of you, you've been telling people, you know, now this God doesn't speak to me. You realized how many times he speaks to you. And like I said on point number eight, he's not going to start with when you can't even listen to him when he tells you to read your Bible every day. Because there's no trainer who's going to take you to that level when this level is taller. He starts first. They're important, those weights. They're the foundation, those weights. 
before he takes you to another level. Will you all raise your hands and even in all the cathedrals, will you raise your hands? Tonight, God, it was a night of revelation knowledge. You've laid a foundation for this week. We're learning how to exercise ourselves in godliness. And I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will rest upon all of us. Forgive us for where we have been stubborn, where we have disobeyed, where we've ignored the whisper, the tugging of the spirit, the still small voice. And we were so stubborn. And now we can't hear anymore. I ask that the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, will purge our conscience from dead works. I ask that the blood of your, the Lord Jesus Christ will recalibrate our ability to hear. I ask that your word that has come in our hearts will soften our hardened hearts and that from now onwards we will respond to you, our coach. Train us in godliness. Exercise us in godliness. We don't want the enemy to hold on to things that we should have put off in our lives. We want to be strong in this battle and be full of your anointing that the enemy has no place in us. Thank you for the teaching anointing tonight. Thank you for the impartation to open our eyes Open our spiritual understanding. Thank you that every one of us as we live tonight, there is something that we can do at our level. And thank you that you will respond to our prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, one last, one last example. Bazalana, I, I, I feel I must say this and then we're going to dismiss you. One minister of the gospel said he was... He was preaching in Chicago. His ministry was in the Soviet Union, and so he had visited. He's an American. And said, I was at this conference in Chicago and met old friends. It was so wonderful to be at this conference. He was part of the speaker's lineup. He had preached that afternoon. Him and his wife had gone back to the hotel. Rather, he had preached in the morning they had gone back in the afternoon to go and have a rest so that in the evening they can go back to the evening service. He says that as they were about to leave, he, he had this sense that he shouldn't leave. He shouldn't go to the service. And he said it was just a sense. And, and I prayed about it and I knew it was the Holy Spirit, but I couldn't understand why. I mean, I went to church. And so he, he struggled with it, back and forth, back and forth. Said to his wife, you know, I have this sense. And the wife said, look, obey what God says. He said, no, but we've got to meet our friends and whatever. Finally, they left, and I'm cutting a very long story. He says, all the way to the meeting, I kept on going back and forth. 
Even the driver said, look, if you want me to take you back, I'll turn take you. He said, no, 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 no. So finally he gets to the meeting and they meet friends and they're having something to eat before the service. And, 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 but then he felt, I, I have to go back to the hotel. So then he talks to the driver, says, no, I can't go into the service. Tells his wife, I can't go to the service. I've got to go back to the hotel. He says, on my way to the hotel, I got distracted. I re- realized that I'm not going to have dinner because I'm going to have dinner at the church. So I might as well buy something on the way there. So we went to one of the shops there to buy food. And then I remembered kind of in the Soviet Union where we are, there aren't many sh- convenient shops where you can buy some of the amenities like toothpaste and so So I asked him to take me to the convenience store to buy something. Finally, we got to the hotel, and as I got there, one of the workers said, oh, you're back. Why are you back? I thought you were at church. He said, well, I just mumbled something, talked to them for a while, just dismissed them, because I can't say that. I mean, you can't say that. But he said, in all this delay, when I finally got to my hotel room, the door had been opened. And when I walked in, I found all our clothes thrown everywhere and the suitcases opened. My wife's jewelry was gone, best clothes gone, my computer was gone, everything was gone. That was all value. And then he sat there and he said, the Holy Spirit said, this was what I was trying to tell you. But he said something that I want to leave with you as we go. He said, if I had obeyed, there would have never been a break-in at the hotel room because the person who did that would have realized I'm in there. And when my wife comes back, she would ask me, why did you stay? And I'd say, I don't know. Because Something had been averted. He said, I would say, I just listened to the Holy Spirit. When I heard that, I remember times when I've prayed for things and I didn't know why I'm praying. Unless God chooses to show you, you won't know. Yours is to obey. Yeah. Many times recently in the, in the morning prayer, I've prayed along certain lines many times. And I knew in my spirit, sometimes I, I, but I never heard any testimony, I never heard anything. But I realized, you see, sometimes there's things God's not going to show you. So next time the Holy Spirit prompts you, please obey. You may not even know why. God chooses to show you, chooses not to show you, Mara, in eternity you will know. Because there's people you've prayed for in other countries. In other parts, there's accidents that you have stopped. There's healings that were initiated. There's lives that were changed because of your prayer. So tomorrow we're going to spend extensive time in prayer. I'm going to keep on building along these lines. I hope tonight has been helpful to all of you as well. Wow. Train yourself. Exercise yourself. 
in godliness. Raise one hand as we finish now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the teaching anointing. I'm learning. I'm growing. By the end of this week, I will be operating at a different level. Equip me. Train me. Mold me. Shape me. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. He's worthy. So, Bazalan, spiritual things can be learned. You see how easy it is? It's easy. So go apply it. As you leave for work, as you leave for school, as you work from home, wherever you are, remember the trainer. He's with you all the time. He's not going to shout. He's not going to scream. He's going to whisper. Sometimes just a sense. Something you just know. Learn to obey. He may lead you to pray. He may start out as a stream. But become a big flood. Let's pray. We're grateful to you, Father. Because you said you will build the church. Like soccer players are trained how to kick the ball. Tennis players are trained. We are being trained in godliness. We are learning how to operate in the spirit. Thank you for this truth that has been deposited. In 11 year olds. 18 year olds all of us of all age groups thank you for the privilege for them to hear what they're hearing at their age that they can build on it thank you for all of us everywhere ministers pastors leaders of churches business people students learners politicians people in education science community workers, all the sectors of society. May this truth mold and shape our lives. Bless these, your children, who are listening from other churches here in Pinville, even on the social media platform. Grace, mercy, and peace may it rest upon us all. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted and said. Amen.